a very challenging for me, especially this uh, message because the application happened this morning while on our way here to church. It was really um, uh, a humbling experience because we were driving on the way to church. And I know I said, Lord, the message in, in Nehemiah is all about you being in control of everything. And I was driving a while ago and somebody cut me just out of nowhere and then I uh, you know immediately pressed the, the horn and and I saw the guy doing a dirty finger <laughs> he was like man I have a baby <laughs> and I was just doing you know the the uh, the minimum speed and it's your fault and I was I, I I wanted to to shout out at that guy and just like it's your fault it's not me you know, you, you've cut me. But um, imagine that 20 minutes of driving from here to, to uh, from, from, from that place to, to here. I was praying to God, Lord, what are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to, to, to tell me today? And I said, and I remember, oh, you are in control even at this moment. Before we start, let me, let me uh, open us in prayer. Let us all pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you so much, O God, for this wonderful day. Thank you, O God, for giving us this opportunity for us to worship, to, to praise you, to glorify your name. And thank you for our brothers and sisters who are here, O Lord. Thank you that you are going to open their eyes, their hearts, Father God. O Lord, in all situations that we have, in all situations that we are facing, Father God, you are in control, Father God like what you have done in the life of Nehemiah, Father God. And today, Father God, as we continue our series, we pray, we pray, give us wisdom. Oh, Holy Spirit, we pray that talk to each one of us. Oh, Lord, I don't know the situation of my brothers and sisters right now, but it is my prayer that use this message, Father God, to encourage my brother, my sister in their situation, Father God. Thank you, O Holy Spirit. Father God, I pray you override my preparation, O Lord. It's not me, it's you, Father God. Thank you, O Lord. Thank you, Father God, for allowing me to preach today. Thank you, Father God, for your power. Thank you for your grace, for your mercy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as we continue our series this morning in Nehemiah chapter 4, I would like to start the, the, the sermon with one question. Is there anyone here today who faces no problem? Can, can you raise your hand? Anyone who's not facing any problem? Okay. Uh, how about this? Anyone who is now or still facing problem or problems? Anyone here? Can you raise your hand? Those who don't raise their hand, you don't have a problem. <laughs> I'll give you a problem. Is that okay? <laughs> yes, just like a normal human being, all of us have problems, right? That could be a financial problem. It could be a health issue, work-related, a relationship problem, children problem, 
ministry problem, driving problem. We have problems every day. We face problems every day. And sometimes, because you have so many problems that you face in your life, you don't know what is your problem. Right? I don't know if you have felt that, or if you have experienced that, but I did one time. And the next question that I want to ask is this. How do we deal with the problem we face in everyday life, in everyday walk with Christ, that will reflect, reflect Christ in our lives? How do we deal with the problems we face every day? You see, even how we responded in the challenges in our lives, we will make, or this, this is what's going to happen, this will make or break our chance to show who Jesus is in our lives. And as we continue the book, the series in Nehemiah, I would like to share to you that this book teaches us that total dependency on God, especially in times of challenges, victory in your life, will impact your lives or your life and the people around you. Total dependency on God in your life, especially in your challenges and your victory, will impact your life and the people around you. And if you have already finished reading the book of Nehemiah, you have seen how God moved in the life of this person. How God used a simple cup bearer to bring or to fulfill God's task for him. It was not easy for Nehemiah to be a leader and lead these people in rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. The challenges he met was along as the walls that he was rebuilding. He was a cup bearer. He was not an engineer. He doesn't know how to, to build the walls. And the financial burden was huge for these people. There are only a thousand people or a hundred thousand people in that city. Imagine building these walls. It will need financial resources. And the materials needed for building the walls for the construction was impossible to get because of all the threat surrounding them. If you are Nehemiah, how are you going to deal or react in these challenges? If you are Nehemiah, how are you going to react in these challenges in life? <coughs> Chapter 15, verse 15 to 23 is all about how Nehemiah reacted in the challenges he faced. And if you are going to summarize chapter 15, verse 23, you will summarize it in four points. First is the position. The second one is the assurance. The third is the plan. And the fourth is the word continues. The opposition. There were enemies around them. You know that, right? You have read the book. 
There, there were enemies around them. They have, they have Sanballat, who is not happy about Jerusalem's rebuilding their wall. This person, he doesn't like Jerusalem. He doesn't like uh, Nehemiah. He hates this person. And what he did is he devised plans to make sure that the, the Jews will not finish what they have started. He ridiculed them. He threatened them so they will stop working. That's the opposition part. Second, the assurance part. God is with them in chapter uh, in verse 15. You see how God frustrated the, the plans of Sanballat and Tobiah. Nehemiah, when he faced opposition, the first thing he did was to pour out everything to God and let God handle the situation. Nehemiah was bullied and was threatened, but he never fought back with violence. What he did was he prayed to God. And if you are going to, to read again his prayer, it was an imprecatory prayer, the prayer of judgment to, to God's enemy. And the third point is the plan. The plan was to spread out the worker and be on guard all the time. They're short of people. That's why Nehemiah said, why don't we group your people on this section and on that section so that we can finish the work. And as you, as you work, be on guard always. Bring your sword, bring your spears. And this is a very wise strategy for Nehemiah. Because they are short when it comes to people, when it comes to security. And they need to address that issue. They need a defensive line in order to, to, for them to reach their goal. He made sure that there will be people who will defend them when the enemy attacks. And I believe this kind of strategy is being, or is being practiced in Israel. That every person can and will be able to defend in case of an attack in Israel. Number four some, uh, uh, point is that the work continues. Chapter 19, verse 23. Their goal was to make sure that they will accomplish what they have started in God's work. Nehemiah is a goal-oriented leader. When he saw the vision from God, he committed himself into it and dedicated himself to finish what God wanted him to accomplish. A good trait of a leader. Like what I've said from verse 15 to 23, you can summarize that with four points. And we can actually close our message for today. This is going to be the shortest message that I've done. Because that was the biblical outline for 15 to 23. But the question is, how can we apply what we have learned from, from verse 15 to 23 when it comes to our challenges in life? You see, church, there will be Sanballat and Tobias in your life that will cause problems and that will ridicule you for who you are in Christ. The question is, how are you going to react in a way you will glorify God in the process? How are you going to react in a way you will glorify God in the process? First, process 
in facing the problem. Know the enemy. Verse 15 says, When our enemies heard that we knew their scheme and that God had frustrated it, every one of us returned to his own work on the wall. The word of the writer in Nehemiah said, when our enemies pertaining to Sanballat and Tobiah. The author of the book of Nehemiah wrote the specific names of oppressor in rebuilding the walls in Jerusalem. He even wrote what Sanballat and Tobiah did for the people of God. They even wrote, he even wrote the insult they threw against the leadership of Nehemiah. The author was very keen on details about these people who hate God's people. Now, if you are facing problems in life, I tell you, this will always help you to go to the next step closer to victory. Is that know your enemy. Know your enemy that is causing the problem that you are facing at that moment or even at this point. Let me give you an example. If you have a health issue, for example, you're diabetic, you know that your enemy will be food that are high in sugar. Am I right? You're not going to blame this vegetable for causing your diabetes. And you will not tell your doctor, Doc, I think I found the problem, the cause of the problem. It was the vegetable that is causing my diabetes. No. Of course, you will tell your doctor to yourself that the cause of my problem in my diabetes is the sugar that I eat. Then... To, in order for me to maintain the normal level of blood sugar in my, in my system, I will avoid food that will trigger high blood sugar. You see the point? You have to know the enemy. You have to know the person or the, 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 the enemy that is causing the problem. And not only that you can apply this to your health or to your work, you can also apply this in your Christian work. As a believer, we must be very familiar with the enemy of our faith. And sad to say that many think that their sole enemy when it comes to our faith is the religious cults that are persecuting Christians. If you ask them today, what is who is the enemy of your faith as a, as a believer of Christ, they will point out the Muslims, the Buddhists, etc., etc. Are they really the enemy of our faith? Yes, they persecute us. They oppose our faith. They can even kill us. But despite their actions, we show love toward these people. Look at what Nehemiah did. When he was being threatened, his life was being threatened, his people was threatened, he still showed 
the goodness of God in this book. Because if I was Nehemiah and you threatened my family, my nation, and I will surely fight you. No question asked. But Nehemiah did was to go straight to God. I remember the Apostle Paul or the Apostles when they were persecuted and were publicly put to shame. You know what, what happened? They considered it an honor because in their persecution, Christ was glorified. They did not hate their persecutors. They even shared the gospel, the love of God to their persecutors. And because through their persecution, the people who witnessed it got saved. And many of their perse persecutors became followers of Christ. You can read that in the Bible. And these people, we think the enemy of our faith are actually just an extra characters when it comes to the real enemy of our faith. The Bible mentioned him as the deceiver, the tempter, devourer, accuser, and many more. And in the New Testament, it was mentioned that we need to be watchful in the schemes of the devil. It's not the people who persecute us that we must be watchful, but the devil's scheme for our faith. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 and 9, if you have your Bible with you, turn it over there so that you'll see what Peter said. In verse 8, he said, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Let's pause here for a minute. Let me ask you, who is the target of the devil? Is it the unbeliever or believers? I suppose you will answer, it is the believers, right? Because from the very beginning, the devil, Satan, he hates what God is doing. He hates God's ministry. He hates, he hates God's sovereignty. He hates God, period. And the second question is, among the believers, who do you think is the priority target of the, of the devil? Who do you think the pri priority target of the devil? <coughs> you see, folks, that everyone here right now is the devil's target. Not everyone. Let me share you why I said that. In verse 9, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 and, 8 and 9. In verse 9, he mentioned, he says here, resist him. <coughs> Folks, <coughs> if there is no resistance in your faith right now, there is a problem. Because the Lord Jesus Christ said, mentioned, the world will hate you because of me. 
There is no resistance in your faith. There is something wrong. Because you are now floating in the idea that everything is okay. Because I am a Christian, everything is going to be fine. Because I am the Son of God, everything is going to be relaxed, right? There will be no resistance from the enemy because, you know, God, God is peace. God is all about peace. God is all about love. There is something wrong. There is no resistance in your faith. And this is a painful truth. The devil will only be busy with Christians whose life is completely dependent on God. Let me repeat that. The devil will only be busy with Christians whose life is completely dependent on God. And as we continue to read verse 9, the devil will try to sway a faithful Christian who is standing firm in the faith. Nehemiah was not persecuted in the king's palace when he was performing, performing his duty to the king. He was not bullied by other nationalities that were serving with him in the palace. We did not read that in the text, in the, in, in, in the book of Nehemiah. But Nehemiah was persecuted and bullied when he started to be active in fulfilling God's mission in Jerusalem. I remember when I was young, many, many years ago. I'm still young though. During summertime, me, uh, uh, during summertime, when mango trees will bear fruits, my friend and I will find a tree that has mangoes in it. Then we use our slingshots on that tree to get the fruit. I, I know you have experienced that when you were young, many, 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 many years ago. But I don't remember us wasting our stones on a fruitless tree. Because we know we are not going to get anything from it. You see, church, the devil only spends his energy devouring or, or plotting to devour a faithful Christian, a fruitful Christian. And not only we need to know our enemy and their schemes, we also need to know that in our situation, God is working. God is working. It says here in verse 15, when their enemies heard that they know their scheme and that God had frustrated it, every one of us returned to his own work on the wall. Nehemiah is a good example when it comes to facing problems. How he deals with the problem. Nehemiah will always turn to God. Read his prayer. 
What a wonderful prayer. And you will see how he is pouring his heart out to God. He was not ashamed to tell God the content of his heart. When was the last time you poured out your heart to God? When was the last time you tell God, Lord, this is the content of my heart? A while ago, it just happened to me. Lord, this, this is the content of my heart. I want to get even to that person. He dirty fingered me not just one, three times. Lord, I want to get even to that person. <coughs> you see, church, we are not going to open our hearts to God if we don't know who God is. That is the truth. And if you are going to read Nehemiah, how he prayed to God, you will see how true God in his life. How he opened his heart to him. Lord, this is what they are doing to me. And this is our, your promises. To remind a living God about his promises. To remind a living God about justice. Wow. Try doing that to, to the president of this of this country. But Nehemiah has a relationship with God. And it's not just a shallow relationship, but it's a deeper relationship. We mentioned last Thursday in our um, in the cultural mastery, Ricardo said that we cannot uh, lead a culture externally if we haven't experience it internally you know the same way with the, with the walk with our walk with Christ you will never know God if you have never experienced who God is you have to have a relationship with him before you can say like Lord I can open up my heart to you Since Nehemiah knows that God is working in his situa situation, he, you can see his countenance here. You know, as you read the book of Nehemiah, you will, as if Nehemiah is, is a cool person, the hippie type of guy, peace, man, don't be angry, show love. That is how I viewed Nehemiah here. How can you be so relaxed, so peaceful when people are trying to kill you, when people are trying to destroy your country. How can you be so relaxed? I am a cupbearer. Nehemiah was a cupbearer to the king. He had the, the letter. He can always write a letter to the king. You know, king, king Artaxerxes, this is what uh, Sanballat and Tobiah is doing to me. Did you not tell, uh, write in this letter that you will provide uh, a security for me? Can you kill these two? But he did not do that. Because he knows God is working. 
When was the last time you felt that God is working in your life? When was the last time you know that in your situation, God is working? I shared when, when my wife was, was in labor and I was by myself in that corridor. Nobody can see me actually in that side. And I was crying. I started to cry. I don't know why. Probably because of fear. It's, it's all about fear. I fear that I will lose my, my baby and my wife. And I was in that, in that chair crying, crying and, and, and telling God, Lord, what is happening? And my prayer to God is, Lord, give me peace in my heart because I don't know what to do anymore. And I even share to you guys that even the hairnet or, or even the gown, I don't know how to, to wear it. I don't even know how to put on the gown. And even the, the mask, I don't know how to, to use them. And I was praying, Lord, please give me peace in my heart. And then suddenly a person just walked by and is like, are you okay? And I said, no, I'm not okay. I'm not okay. My wife is in the OR. My baby's heart is, is dropping. I'm not okay. And that person just touched my, the back of, of my head and said, everything is going to be okay. And you know what? When she said that, I know <coughs> from the bottom of my heart that was the peace of God. And I still crying that that person left. The person just walked on that side again. She said, are, are you okay? I didn't say anything at this time. And you know what she said? The baby will be fine. Your wife will be fine. And as soon as she left, the OR nurse came and told me I can enter or I can be with, with my wife in the OR. And as soon as I entered that door, I felt peace from God. And as soon as, as I, sit, uh, I sat down on that chair, the doctor was like, they were so busy. I don't know what they're doing in there. And then suddenly I heard the most beautiful cry in the world. And the first comment that I heard, oh, that was the loudest cry. You see, church, whatever your situation right now, if you are in the center of God, Notice, God is working in you. Remember that every challenges in your life, every pressure that you, will, that you will face in your life, in your walk with Christ, God is at work. God will never abandon you.
Notice that diamonds are created for the greater pressure on earth and found. You are diamond in God's eyes. More than that, beyond that. In order for you to reach your 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 ability, your 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 potential to God's ministry, to God's kingdom, you have to go through this. You have to grow go through your situation right now and believe that God is working in your situation. And the third process is this. When they heard, that when they saw that God frustrated the scheme of their enemies, every one of us returned to his own work on the board. And you will see from verse 16 to 23 how Nehemiah <coughs> planned everything so that everyone will work and will be protected. The third process in facing your challenges or your problems is do your part. Do your part. <coughs> it's not enough that you know the enemy that's causing your problem and you know that God is at work in your situation. Do your part. If your challenges in life is your help, then eat what is right. You don't say God is at work in my life and the problem I have in my health is okay. I can eat lechon every day. I can eat pork. I can eat all the fats in the world. It's okay. God is at work. I am being tempted in my workplace with this beautiful uh, 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 lady. And it's okay because God is at work and I can, you know, talk still with, with that person. It's okay, because God is at work. You know, God will protect me even though I talk to this person, even though I go out with this person just for a coffee. It's okay, because God is at work. Wrong. You have to do your part. You have to, to, to continue the work and be vigilant always. Look at what they did. Nehemiah, from that day on, half of my men did the work, while the other half held spears, shields, bows, and arrows. They, know, they knew that God was working in their situation, but they did not lower their defensive or, or their, their defense when it comes to their enemy. They have swords and spears with them all the time. Even they were working. In other words, they're always ready to defend themselves in the event that Sanballat and Tobiah attacks them. How about you, brothers and sisters? What are you doing? What are you doing to, to, to be ready in case the enemy, the devil, will attack you? How are you going to defend yourself? It was so funny because the word that the, the <coughs> Nehemiah 
or the author in the book of Nehemiah used the word swords and spears. Paul said, take up your armor. Put on your, your helmet. Wear your, your vest. <coughs> Hold on to your sword. <coughs> Put on your belt. The sword is the word of God in our lives. We know that God is, is working in our situation. We have to feed our soul with God's word. We have to, to, to dig deeper. And I tell you, when that time that your enemy, the devil, will attack you, whatever you have read in the Bible will come out immediately in an instant. Be always ready. Use your sword, which is the word of God. Which is the word of God. You see, church, There is a greater problem that most of you are facing right now. If you don't have Christ in your life, the problem is that you are going to hell. That was the that is in the Bible. Romans three twenty three says, "For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and the penalty of sin is death." That is the problem. If you don't have Christ in you, if you are not sure that Christ lives in your heart, the problem that you are facing right now is the wrath of God. But God said, He is the light. He is the way. He is the truth. He said that whoever believes in Him will have eternal life. God made the solution for you to escape from that problem. That whoever believes the Lord Jesus Christ as his personal Lord and Savior, you will have eternal life. And if you don't have Christ in you, therefore you don't have eternal life. And that's the reason why there's no resistance in your faith. That's the reason why it seems that everything is okay. Because the Word loves you for who you are right now. Because Christ is not in you. And I would like to, to take this opportunity. That if you don't have Christ in you, this is the best time for, for you to make that decision. The Bible says, believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't have to do anything, any good deeds. You don't need to, to give all your, your treasures for the church in order for you to be saved. What the Bible says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will have eternal life. <coughs> believe in Him and then repent of your sin. You have to repent. It's not just that I believe God, but I will still enjoy my sin. No, that's not, that's not going to happen. If you believe the Lord Jesus Christ, you will hate your sin. And you will live in Christ as a new creation. If you would like to take that, that decision today, Pastor Brett, the deacons, and me can <coughs> usher you in that wonderful decision.
Let us all pray. Our Heavenly Father, we know that you are in control in our lives, in your children's lives, Father God. We know that, that in everything, in every situation in our lives, you, your name will be glorified. Your name will be magnified, Father God. And Lord, as long as we are alive, you are not done with us yet. You are molding us to be like Christ, our Savior. To walk like Him. To talk like Him. To love like Him. And Father God, it is our prayer as a church that this church will reflect the Lord Jesus Christ in this community and even beyond the Lord. And Father God, we pray that this as we face struggles in our church, challenges in our church, Father God, it is our prayer that we will hold on to your promises, Father God. We pray that your people here, we pray that your children in this church will continue to grow and will continue to know you more. And Father God, that they will allow you <coughs> to use their lives to work in your ministry, in, their, in your kingdom. Father God, we cannot see the future of our church, but we know who holds the future of this church. Thank you. Bless each one of us, O oh God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.